Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when the smart home is dumb. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Our first topic today comes from... Uh, Nick, who is watching along with us on the live stream, and asked what our first Apple products were, um, and I'm I'm guessing that we're we're gonna say first like personal Apple products. Um, I guess we could say what our our like first like family Apple products were as well. Uh, but personally, my first Apple product was the uh, the fourth generation iPod Touch with the Retina display. The cameras, the A4 chip, mm. ah, that thing was awesome. That is, that's definitely a good one. My first Apple product, I believe, was a one gigabyte. I think, uh, I think it was a second Ooh. gen iPod Nano. It was silver. I think it was one gig because I think the colors were two gigs and the silver one was one gig. I think. So I, but I had the silver one. I think Ooh, it was, it was the right. smaller one. So I think it was a one gig silver second gen iPod Nano. It had the Brick Breaker game. It had uh, Solitaire, I, I believe. Uh, it had my music on it. No videos or anything like that. But it had my music on it. That was that was a classic. That one that one got me through got me through some uh, some some uh, some summers at overnight camp. I remember that. So that, that was a that was a good one. That was a good one. I was definitely jealous of of people like you then, because before before I had the iPod Touch, because that was 2010, um, mm -hmm. like later in 2010 that I got that, and in the years preceding that, I was so jealous of the iPod Nanos with the screens, the ones with the uh, first it was the ones that had like the horizontal screen and then the vertical screen ones. What I don't remember, I'm not super well versed on iPods. Did the vertical screens come out in 2007, eight? Oh, I, I honestly don't remember. Someone, I'm sure someone in the chat can in, illuminate us into uh, as to when these different iPods came out. There were a lot of iPods in the 2000s, and I don't yeah. keep track of them. Uh, but I remember the vertical screen because people could watch like a movie on that little one inch screen. Yeah. Ooh, I was jealous. I was so jealous because I had like one of those very budget like MP3 players that just played whatever files were on an SD card. It was very mm -hmm. basic. Um, and it, I guess it did the trick realistically, but it wasn't an iPod. You know, you got to have the iPod. iPod's definitely good. Click wheel. I remember my. Mm. My sister had, uh, first of all, someone mentioned in the chat and I double checked. I did have, mine was two gigs. There wasn't a one gig. So the silver uh, was two gigs and the colorful ones were four gigs or, or eight gigs. So I had the two gig mm. one. Plenty of, you know, you got to start small. You got to start somewhere. But, uh, but then uh, my sister had a later gen nano and that was one of the, the, the tall screen ones. Yeah, that you could watch movies, and you remember those? They used to have those like games. They had like thirty games or something. They were like five dollars each that you oh, could put yes. on there. And I remember, I remember that. Those. I don't. They were never any good, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, 
what was your first like family Apple product? Not one that you used exclusively, but the first Apple product in your family. I I don't know because my parents were just had like Windows computers and stuff because mm -hmm. I had I mean I used like a hand-me-down Dell computer that had like Windows XP and I installed a bunch of you know junkware on it to of I course some, like some like some, something on it to make it look like Mac OS and it was like this this terrible oh. hybrid of <laughs> Windows XP and, and Leopard or something like that but um, it's funny I did that too in like 2009 or something I had this this old core duo uh laptop that had been recycled from my dad's work and i put this like skin to make it look like windows 7 on windows oh, xp you know oh, nice. I, I, there was like all sorts of that stuff and if, i'm sure it installed like 17 viruses and like all those <laughs> those like toolbars that it would add to chrome and there were like four different <laughs> layers on there it was so bad but my oh, first yeah. my family's first like app actual apple product was the power pc uh, original Mac Mini in 2005, and we had it with one of those the classic four by three, ten twenty four by seven sixty eight Dell monitors, and I had the you know everyone had the shoebox with CD games, and mm -hmm. I would play like the CD games on that thing. That was a classic. Actually, I think I still have that somewhere, and it still has like Webkins on it. Oh, nice, <laughs> that's a classic. Yeah, that's pretty good. Also, uh, another topic. First of all, someone asked, do I still have the tag on my jacket? Oh, did you finally yes. take it? Oh, you still have it? Oh, my goodness. The I feel like I can't take it off at this point because uh, now it's kind of a meme. I so, feel yes, like the, the people on the audio podcast are starting to notice this. It's really impacting the quality <laughs> of the podcast, you having the tag on the jacket. Yeah, I mean, if I move my arm the wrong way and it rubs on the desk, maybe you can hear it. But, Ooh, uh, true. The other topic that I feel like this wasn't in our schedule, but I feel like last week we talked about the Mac Pro being discontinued. Maybe we can mm. mention the the HomePod for a minute. Yeah, you mean the iMac Pro, right? Yes, the iMac. Yes, the yeah. iMac Pro from last week, and then this week is uh, is the HomePod, and then what's going to be next week? We'll, we'll have to see. Yes, that's definitely a good point. Um, I thought it was weird. I I i was confused i think there's something that's weird about there being a homepod mini but no homepod like the mini version of a thing that doesn't exist anymore seems yeah. weird to me yeah i i'm just i'm kind of surprised and it's the same thing like when the when the imac pro is discontinued i was kind of surprised because i thought they were going to put a new version. I know we had the discussion that maybe you don't need an iMac Pro anymore at this point. But then like the HomePod, if they're discontinuing the HomePod, I guess that means that they don't have another one in the works right now because it seems kind of weird to like discontinue it and then a couple months later mm -hmm. be like, oh, we're bringing it back with a new one. I feel like they would just let this one, even if they let it sell out, you know, and then then it's done. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know how a formal uh, the, the discontinuation was, but I don't know. I was kind of kind of surprised by it, to be honest. Yeah, I if I had to guess, I think Apple is kind of it seems like they're sort of trimming down some of their inventory and the stuff that they have manufacturing like that's going through factories and they probably thought okay, iMac Pro realistically doesn't have a future. And that right. I I think makes sense. HomePod is a little bit more weird. I mean, I get that it probably wasn't selling very well. Right. But 
and I also heard I also heard a weird, an interesting, like uh, a little whisper in my ear from a person who's more informed on internal Apple things than I am that was suggesting that HomePod Max would be uh, a product that that could exist as soon as the March event potentially. Really? Yeah. I'm skeptical about it in March. I think it would be weird to have HomePod Max and HomePod Mini with no HomePod like normal. But then again, as people pointed out when I tweeted about this, people said, well, there's a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air, but no MacBook. True. So I guess that's fair. I feel like that's a little different, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I was I was surprised by it. I get I know that they weren't selling well. I remember Apple had to or they ended up cutting the price uh, mm. at some point to try and get them to sell a bit better. I don't know. I I, I kind of thought. I mean, the the HomePod Mini is is fairly new, so they're investing in the in that space. Yeah. It's not like they're trying to leave like the smart speaker space, as far as I can tell. So it's a little bit a little bit a little bit unexpected. But, uh, yeah, but, but, yeah go especially ahead. since especially since the um the studio or not studio stereo pairing, like mm-hmm. you can you can pair the home pods, but it doesn't work on the home pod minis for really? like the I think it's like I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it's like you could pair home pods with like a TV and have it as like a surround stereo setup, but yeah. you can't do that with the minis. So it's weird to subtract a feature like that. Yeah, that is kind of weird, I guess. Yeah, if you only had one HomePod and then you decide later you want to get another one, maybe you're going to have some trouble with that now. Ooh, here's an interesting one. Someone said that they want a HomePod they can take with them. A HomePodometer. A HomePodometer. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That would be... I, I feel like, what if they did like exactly the same design but just made it have a battery inside so it's that like shape and bulk but it's you're supposed to bring it around and it's and it does step tracking as well that would be funny you're talking talking (laughs) about the regular home pod not the mini correct so the full size you just it's like lugging around a watermelon yeah but well it's a more like a cantaloupe i would say i think they're, they're they're not quite watermelon sized well, actually, the outside, like the texture of a cantaloupe, is is similar, more similar Ooh. too, right? So you're true. That is a very good point. I almost said That's- you're true. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but yeah, you're definitely right. It is. Uh, maybe they were secretly inspired by a cantaloupe when they were designing the HomePod. I wouldn't be surprised. That sounds very Johnny Ive. I could. Was he there when they did the HomePod? Oh yeah, he that was like 2017, wasn't it? The HomePod? He was definitely there. Okay, yeah. I mean, it has definitely been a couple years for the HomePod. I just imagine Johnny Ive waking up in his in his bed, which of course is a perfectly square mattress with no like covers or pillows. <laughs> he just he just sleeps perfectly centered in it. And I bet you, uh-huh. I bet you the, um, I bet you the edges of Johnny Ives' mattress are chamfered, because <laughs> that was there, apparently there was a controversy because, as we all know, Johnny Ive loves wildly impractical designs, right? The chamfered edges were unbelievably expensive to produce, and they scratched ridiculously easily. Um, and so that was one of the big things with the iPhone six. That was like Tim Cook's triumph of supply chain. 
because he was like, Johnny, stop it. We can't chamfer the edges of these things. And so the <laughs> iPhone 6 was a lot cheaper to produce because it didn't have diamond cut edges for some reason. And I'm sure Johnny Ive was not happy about that. So he put the chamfered edges on his mattress instead. So I just kind of picture him like waking up um, in his smart home, of course, which has like one window and it's a really beautiful window um, with like the, I imagine he uses, instead of polishing a window or like using Windex or something, he uses the same thing that they use to make the jet black finish on the iPhone 7. Like the, the bead blasting thing and that's how he cleans his windows. And he wakes up and he sees a cantaloupe there and he goes, what if the cantaloupe had sound <laughs> seamless magical sound and that's that's where the home pod came from so that's a fun little history lesson i it's definitely i could definitely believe that i was also going to say you were mentioning when they did the iphone 6 and they uh and they got rid of the chamfered edges and that brought the price down you know johnny he didn't like that so then when the iphone 7 came he had to do like the the space <laughs> dust that was, yeah, that, was like, his, that was his way of getting back at them. <laughs> they saved so much money on the 6 and 6S that he was like, you know what, Tim? You're not going to silence me. I'm buying space <laughs> dust, and we're going to make the the most purposeless, shiny, jet black finish for a phone that after two and a half minutes is going to look <laughs> like it was hit by a train. And that's that. I mean, that's just the most Johnny Ive thing. You know, you know bless him. I kind of miss him sometimes because um, I, I, sometimes I feel like recent Apple designs haven't been impractical enough. I mean, where is our mouse with charging port on the bottom? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. And for 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 context, in case you don't know what we're talking about, it's the. The iPhone 7, the the jet black, there is a video that, that Johnny Ive narrated, and they talked about how they make the the jet black finish, and there's this scene, it's like the interstellar docking scene where they have the phone going, and it goes like, woo, it like dips into this like white like space dust, so that's what we're It literally we're looks, we, I don't know if, if that was like a common thing in tech vernacular, calling it space dust, but I think it should be, because it's yeah. absolutely what it was. And it's like the interstellar docking scene and it goes in and it goes and it goes over the, I, I think the word that he used was complex geometry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It yeah. was like, it was like fine metallic shavings flow over the complex geometry of the enclosure. You know, that classic oh, yeah. Johnny, classic Johnny. You got to miss the guy. He, he had a way with words. Let's, he let's sure did. That. He sure did. Uh, so sh let's move on to our first actual topic that we had planned out. Um, and that is sort of on a, in a similar vein, I guess, insofar as it's talking about Apple, which I guess is kind of logical for us. Uh huh. Um, are we moving toward a dystopian reality where a few companies control our lives? And I guess my response to that is moving toward? I think we're kind of there, aren't we? I mean... You could totally you could totally live your whole life on Amazon, Apple, and Google. And Amazon. Wait, I already said Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Amazon, Apple, and Google could kind of just do everything. Okay, maybe well no, yeah. YouTube's part of Google. So yeah, that's that checks out. Yeah, it's uh it's an interesting question because obviously we're we are kind of there. You know, you got you got Apple, you got Google, 
you know, love, love them. You got Amazon, you got, uh, you got, you got a lot of these big companies that control a lot and even the other, I don't, and then Facebook, I feel like you got to mention not, not that we, uh, care as much, but you know, they control Instagram, you know, you gotta, they control WhatsApp, WhatsApp's pretty big, uh, you know, international, but you look at these and then even some like Snapchat's kind of its own thing, but it's still one of those big. Uh, one of those big, yeah, so there you go. So, um, so, uh, and you know, like Snapchat, it's its own company, but it's one of those big, uh, big companies as well. There are, we are in a landscape where there are relatively few companies that, that dominate their marketplaces. Absolutely. I, yeah. In fact, I was thinking about this. I, whoever asked this question must've been reading my mind because I was thinking about this when I was hearing, it was like this past week, there were some more rumors about the Apple car and whatnot. Um, and, oh, there was another one. It was like Apple moving into like more smart home stuff or something like that. And it does it does kind of make you think, like how far away are we from the time where, like picture, picture a morning routine, right? You're asleep, uh, dreaming about space dust flowing over the complex geometries. And you wake up to your HomePod waking you up you see your Apple watch next to you, you put on your Apple watch and you know, you start your morning routine, you pull your iPhone off the air power charger <laughs> in this hypothetical, like near yeah. future scenario, right? You pull your iPhone 14 off the air power. You, you get up, you go to the bathroom, you get dressed, you have home pods all throughout your house playing music and you tell Siri to like remind you to get more milk cause you're out of milk or something like that. And you grab your iPad Pro, you grab your MacBook, you put it in your bag, you head out the door, your iPhone has already unlocked your Apple car, you get in, Apple Music starts playing on the stereo, and off you go to work. That's not that crazy of a future, because most of that is already here, except for air power in the Apple car. So, I, I don't know, it is, it is definitely weird especially with Apple now doing services as well. It's like, okay, now they're not just your products. The ecosystem is, is becoming more of a lifestyle than an ecosystem at this point. Yeah, definitely. What I find interesting about this topic is, so you can talk about companies, you can talk about how all these big companies dominate, uh, you know, they dominate their sectors. But then I think it's also kind of interesting to think about um, cause there are like smaller alternatives, you know, for any of these products, you know, an email service, a search engine, video platform, whatever, there are smaller alternatives. And then I know, and there's a growing movement of people that are trying to leave behind, uh, the big guys and they're trying to go with the smaller ones, you know, the duck, duck, go and, and Ecosia, if I'm pronouncing that right for this, for yeah. the search engine and, and, uh, you know, for all those video. other things. Vimeo. Yeah. So like how practical, how practical is it now? And how practical will it be in the future to, to avoid the, the, the big guys? I think it's kind of the interesting uh, question. And I, I, it's, it's interesting though, because I feel like, you know, if you, if you look at the, the trend for the past 20 years, you could definitely make the argument that Apple is becoming more and more in control of our lives. If you subscribe to the Apple lifestyle, I know plenty of people that don't even own a single Apple product and they're completely checked out of that whole like ecosystem, lifestyle, image, whatever. They're in However, their ecosystem. I think, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think, I don't know, I don't know that there's a direct parallel to the Apple ecosystem because 
like do you know of another company like a major company where you could have like their smart speaker with their smart assistant on your smartwatch, smartphone, laptop, and tablet, where you have all of those things. Oh, and a TV, let's say, we'll add that as well, and a desktop, where it's all the same company. I, I'm trying to think of another company that has that, all of those things. I think Google mostly, with their Pixel phones and the, and the Chromecast and Android and all their services. I think you could right. you could put you could put Google in. Not, it's not quite the same as Apple. Not quite but. though because I, Google doesn't make their own smartwatch. They don't have um, a desktop or I would argue a real operating system. So I don't think it mm. would I don't think that would really count. And also they don't make a tablet anymore either cuz the Google Slate what was that thing? I think it was a, the they had the tablet it was not good. Uh, I remember that one was a funny one because when when this the what was it the Pixel Book Slate I don't remember what it was called. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they still sell that. I think they kind of swept that one under the rug a little bit. But I remember they sent me an email. They were going to send it to me, and it got in immediately just like trashed by reviewers. And then all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, we're going to send it like next week." And then eventually they were like, we're actually going to just send you a Pixel book instead for no reason. We just kind of feel like it. And I was like, hmm, that that's very telling. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's another company that I, I guess you could say Samsung. Samsung makes laptops and smartphones that are good and smartwatches. I don't know. That, did they make any desktop computers, though? And they certainly don't make their own operating system. That's another thing that we have to keep in mind. Even if you have a company that makes their own hardware and you can have a smartphone, a smartwatch, a laptop, a tablet, a TV, a smart speaker, usually they're running some sort of licensed software like you know Windows or Android. I don't know that there is another company in existence at least in the North American market, which is what we're familiar with, that has as much control as Apple does. And I have to say, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of, but then, I mean, it's it's kind of the thing about these big companies. It's like you can, you can say, you know, how much of, how, how bad it is that, that there are so few companies that control uh, everything. It's kind of it's kind of hard. Like if you were trying to break in, if you were trying to become the next Apple, right? You can't mm-hmm. do all of that stuff. You can't have the operating system and all the different, uh, you know, products and all the different services. Like if you're if you're kind of if you're growing, if you're starting a new company and you're growing up there, you know, you're probably going to be doing one of those things. You're going to have a lap. You're going to be selling laptops. You're going to be selling smartwatches or something. But you need you need to have such a big scale. Like Apple, you know, Apple, Google. These companies have such a huge scale to be doing all of this stuff. So it's sort of like, I guess the barrier to entry, I guess like these companies, you know, they've been around for a long time. They were sort of there, you know, at the beginning, especially, you know, Apple was, has been around for a very long time. Google was around, uh, you know, at the beginning of the internet, the early days of the internet. And, and, uh, and they've sort of, uh, you know, rid, they've, uh, they, they've, uh, you know, been in this wave uh, of, of technology going up but now they're kind of at the top and uh, they've sort of built a wall behind them that is very yeah, hard to, exactly. to scale. It is a walled castle or a wall. Wait, what's the, te- what's the term? 
It's like a walled Wal paradise. Walled garden, I think you're. Yeah, that's the one. Of. Yeah. Someone actually pointed out um, that Microsoft used to do like you know the Windows Phone, their wearables, but again, they all they kind of sucked. No one has a Windows Phone now. Of course, now that I say that, there's going to be like an army of Windows Phone people that are like, <laughs> "Oh, we actually love our Windows Phone," but like, I'm sorry, but you're not representative of the general public. I don't know anyone uh, who has a Windows Phone after like 2015. I had a friend in 20, like 2015, 16 who had a Windows Phone, but they were it was short lived. Mm. No one has them anymore. <laughs> uh, Zune, someone pointed out. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And I think one of the things is, you know, if if you're another company that you you can't do the stuff that Apple does, other companies do not have the capability to do like getting rid of the headphone jack. If you're a startup company, you can't do that. You can't force people to um, like moving to ARM. Let's say you're a startup la laptop manufacturer and you say, OK, ARM is really promising. Apple's moving to ARM. We want to go there, too. Well, you're out of luck because as long as Windows or Android are locking you out of something, you just have to deal with it. So that's why Apple can Apple can move to to ARM, and that's not even you know we're not even talking about small companies. Dell can't move to ARM, HP, Lenovo, they're stuck with Intel too because they they're hamstrung by Microsoft. Microsoft is then hamstrung by Intel and AMD and x86 manufacturers where they would be developing for something that doesn't exist. All of those things kind of slow it down. And that's why Apple is so hard to compete with because they just, they just have top to bottom control of everything. And they're already in the position where they're big enough to flex that power as much as they want. Um, and so there are benefits to that. Obviously I'm using an M one Mac mini to stream this right now. And it's not even warm. Unlike Noah's MacBook Pro, which is like a jet engine. Mm -hmm. But there are downsides to that too. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like the products that they're that these companies are gonna make are gonna be they're gonna make good products and they're gonna sell them. You're you're gonna be able to access, you know, good products because they have they have big they have a lot of money, they have big, you know, big scale, they have deals worked out with all the manufacturers. You know, they do a lot of stuff in house, whatever. You're gonna get, you're gonna get better. I, I want to say I don't know if this is quite right. I'm gonna say you're gonna get a better deal overall with, you know, if you go with Apple, you know, they have all these. If you're, you know, trying to build your, you know, you're trying to, you're a smaller company and you're trying to 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 build a product. If you don't have Apple's scale and Apple's negotiating power, you're not gonna be able to 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 do it at the same scale and the same price range as Apple. But then on the other hand, you know these few companies that make these great products, well, it's, you know, it gets hard to compete with them. And then you get into these, uh, um, the, uh, like the antitrust stuff that's going on and, and, uh, that's and a all mess. of that. Yeah. Ah, uh, we love corporate oligarchy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, our next, I wanted to address, we had a super chat here in the live stream. Um, let me see if I can pull that up to quote it directly. If not, Okay, I yeah. Have so the quote as well. So thoughts of iPhones and smartphones being used in feature filmmaking. Is there a future for phone-based filmmaking? I think this is an interesting question because I don't necessarily think that there's even a future. There's already a present for iPhone filmmaking. Um, the movie Unsane, which came out in 2018, 
was shot on iPhones, wasn't it? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, and that, that movie was, did yeah. really well. It was it got like an 80% Rotten Tomatoes. It did very well at the box office. I'm definitely not just like looking at the IMDb page right now. <laughs> definitely not doing that. But it it did very well, and it's got it's got household names such as Claire Foy and Jay Farrow. Oh yeah, which I, I just remember. know off the top of my head. I, of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting because that that's happened. I think there's been. Maybe there's been some other movies. I know there's been short films and whatever. I think you yeah. could you could you could broaden the discussion too, and even just talk about how the phones and the technology has made filmmaking and and video making like more accessible to people. Like for yeah. example, on my uh, on my YouTube channel, I film. I have my iPhone 12 Pro, and before this, I had an iPhone 10. And I filmed my videos with uh, with those phones. And like, honestly, you have your phone. I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I do YouTube. I make a video occasionally. So I do it for fun. I'm not like Luke. I don't have. Joke. <laughs> the joke I, is that Noah up- uploads f- uh, videos every fiscal quarter. Yes. So I have have you actually, do you have one for, for this quarter? I, I think you missed one. Uh, oh, well, I guess, yeah, Q1, Q1 20. 21 i don't know if i had one. or no i think uh, I wouldn't know. it be like q4 2020 i think is what you missed yeah i don't know because the fiscal quarters are weird I, I think they go into the next year anyway the point is yeah iphones are here and even if they're not going to be used for like there's not going to be an avengers film shot on iphone uh there's not going to be like big blockbuster film shot on iphone but the as noah said accessibility is the really big thing because it means that if you wanted to get into filmmaking it is now so much easier because iphones are actually pretty solid i'm always consistently impressed with with how good people get iphone footage to look because every time i take a video with an iphone it looks like it looks like ass i don't know what i'm doing wrong i mean granted I'm not exactly taking like cinematic videos with like stabilizers and stuff like that, but it always looks bad. And then you see this like shot on iPhone footage and it's like with a six S and it looks amazing. Yeah. It's like crazy. You could do a, you could shoot a multi-camera show and you could just buy three iPhone six S's. It would cost you like 300 bucks to have a, a triple camera setup. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, I, like I'm just it's 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 really it's really cool. Like I can I can make these videos. I don't have, you know, all the fancy equipment. I don't really have the desire to buy the fancy equipment because it's just not worth it for me. But like to have my phone that I use every day and to be able to get like 4K 60 FPS footage that like HDR. looks HDR. It's yeah, and it looks good. Like it's it's it looks really good. And and to just have that on my phone and you know, I just stick it in a in a in a tripod, and I can film a YouTube video. It's honestly, it's honestly pretty cool. It's it's just it's so accessible now. Someone brought up that Modern Family shot an entire episode on the 6s. I remember that. Uh, remember the episode? I don't know if you've watched Modern Family, no, but they did a whole episode mm-hmm. that took place on OS 10 Yosemite when that came out in 2014. That was a really cool I episode. That. Very creative. I remember that episode. I, I have watched a decent amount of Modern Family. I also remember, totally random, but from that episode, because they had the episode that took place on Yosemite, and I think they said they like made that before Yosemite came out, and they had to like recreate 
all of the graphics and stuff. There was like really? whole, I don't remember. There was like a whole thing that it was like actually super complicated to make that. But it was um I always like those. Like the Modern Family, there was the movie Searching. Uh there is I think another movie where they like take place on a computer screen. I always find those pretty cool. Yeah, topic, I think I remember but... that. Yeah, I mean, well, not really cuz we're talking about iPhone filmmaking and I mean, it's a really creative in terms of Modern Family, that's also a really smart business move because I'm sure they got a lot of money from Apple for that integration. Mm -hmm. And product placement, when it's integrated into the plot like that, like we're talking about it because it was cool. It was interesting. It was an advertisement. It was a 30-minute yeah. long ad, essentially. But it was interesting and it was clever and it wasn't like overbearing. Um, and it, I, you know, product placement like that can be very interesting. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure that what was the movie? I already forgot the name because I closed the IMDb page. That shot on iPhones. They like made enough of a deal about it that I'm 100% sure Apple was like, "You should shoot this video on iPhones. We think that would be very good for you." Um, it was a pretty low budget movie, so I would I would guess that Apple helped out with that, and I don't blame them for it. It's a pretty smart, uh, pretty smart advertising move. Not that Apple really needs to advertise, let's be real. Yeah. No, but it's definitely it's definitely a testament. It's kind of cool. So I guess like there's two sides. It's very accessible to people like me and uh, and, and other people. But then if you want to step up and, and actually make, you know, like a movie or whatever, there's there's lots of accessories now, you know, stabilizers and, and uh, lens attachments and and uh and different things and and uh you know you got pro raw and hdr and you can do a lot with the editing it's just i don't know it's just really impressive how much tech and and, and how good how much tech's in the cameras how good the cameras are how accessible all this is so it's a, it's a great topic yeah definitely uh and in fact i guess kind of similar to that uh one of our other topics if you want to pull up the email from ben was about sort of disrupting industries with a one-person team. Uh, I don't know if you have the email up and you want to read like a little snippet of that because I think it's a very uh, very related and similar topic. Yeah, so I have, I have this email up. It came from Ben Wiles. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'll, I'll try and summarize it a little bit. But basically, uh, this, this, uh, so Ben, who emailed us, said he works for, for a tire company um, in the UK. And he was trying to convince this this uh, company to uh, do some in-house uh, production. He says he's uh, like um, he's trying to do some like some in-house production, uh, I guess for commercials or advertising or or something along with that. And it seemed like they were the the management was always saying no because quote you know that wasn't how it's done and they didn't do max. You know they have their they're sort of, I guess, you know, you hire a studio and they, you know, use all their fancy equipment and all their fancy editing and all that stuff. So anyways, it sounds like Ben sort of went out on his own. He got an M1 MacBook Air, a Nikon D5500, Final Cut, and a few accessories. He said he spent about 2,000 uh, euro. And then he, uh, I guess, sort of went out on his own to do this video production as a one-man team with this sort of, you know, accessible to consumers uh, hardware versus the traditional um, sort of, I guess, hire an external, you know, studio with a bunch of people and a bunch of fancy stuff. And I guess he's doing pretty well for himself. So it's just kind of interesting. Another one of those, you know, disrupting 
the industry kind of kind of stories. Yeah, and I think it's a really absolutely valid point because we're, we're we're at a point now with technology that you can do absolutely incredible stuff on your own. I mean, look at look at the amount of incredibly talented YouTubers out there that have insane production quality with small teams. I mean, if you look at MKBHD, he's like, you know, the sort of the the halo of of tech YouTube. And realistically, I I don't know exactly how many people work there, but I'm fairly certain it's less than 20. It's a very small business by traditional reference, but you can be very, very successful without having huge people and like departments and like the whole sort of bureaucratic institution of a company. And it's a very interesting question because it, it kind of makes you wonder why this, this company was so opposed to doing that. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting dilemma because you'd think if if someone gives you the opportunity to do something for less money, why would you not just like give it a shot if you're a traditional company? You know what I mean? What's what's the harm in trying? Yeah, I guess there's kind of, you know, maybe there's the thought of like, you know, how good could, you know, one person do, you know, just with their own, you know, you got your laptop and your and your final cut. How much can one person really do? I don't know. Obviously, this is speculation, you know, as far as the reasoning for the for this management to not go with it. But it's definitely come it's definitely come a long way in terms of what people are able to do. Even and honestly, even like your videos, Luke, like it's just you and I help out sometimes. But like I'm not okay, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to to, to give you too much. I'm not trying to give you any more credit than you deserve, but honestly, <laughs> but honestly though, like, you know, you got a couple cameras, you got some microphones, you have a nice setup, you got Final Cut, you got your, your iMac mm -hmm. and it's just you. And like, I don't know, like the videos, the videos look, they look very good. They look very professional, like, and it's one person. So like, I'm just saying like, that's, you know, that's bottom tier right there. You know, Luke, Luke Miani, bottom <laughs> tier right there, but, but yeah, still, absolute bottom but still, of the barrel. Even there, bottom tier right there, and still, you know, still very. I'm, I'm kidding, but still, um, still <laughs> very impressive. So it just, it just goes to, it just, you know, speaks to that. I think. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Also, we gotta acknowledge here, uh, Cole Weathers. Thank you so much for the super chat. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that that you found us entertaining enough to be deserving of such generosity. Uh, so just wanted to give a shout out to Cole for that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, th th with that, we could buy a 6S and film our own movie. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. We're well on our way to th our own short film. Yeah, not too bad. All right. Yeah, so our next, our next topic uh, that we have lined up for today... Actually, wait. Before we get to that, I did want to address a question that I thought was... Really, really interesting. Let me see if I can find this up here. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, here it is. Okay. What is our opinion on the strict advertising rules for online personalities such as ourselves versus TV personalities that don't need to disclose most of the stuff that they would have for advertising? And I think that's an interesting uh, topic. Now, if you guys don't know, 
YouTubers have pretty strict FCC guidelines for disclosing sponsored posts. And they're actually pretty recent. They only came about around 2015, 2016. And I think one of the big sort of catalysts of that was uh, this, this scandal that Lord and Taylor got into. I think it was Lord and Taylor, which is kind of ironic because now they're out of business. So I guess it didn't really work <laughs> too well for them. Um, but they had this campaign. There was this new line of, of dresses for the spring. And they uh, paid a whole bunch of influencers in this coordinated campaign on Instagram to post about this dress. And it was an absolutely smashing success. A ton of people bought it. But they got into trouble because they didn't tell anyone to disclose it. Uh, now, the unfortunate side of this is I think there were influencers that got in trouble, got a lot of hate from the audience, um, which, in my opinion, I don't think is fair because there weren't any rules saying that they didn't have to do that. And when a big company, like if you have 400,000 Instagram followers and a big company like Lord & Taylor says, take a bunch of money to put this dress on, you're not going to question it too much. And quite frankly, the onus of responsibility is on the big corporation. So needless to say, they got into a little bit of trouble. And that was part of, that was one of the reasons why a lot of these guidelines came to be. So essentially, I mean, you guys know the drill. You've seen a YouTube video. This video is sponsored by blah, 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 blah. That is legal. You have to say that. Um, you have to disclose it in the description. And personally, I'm all for it. I, I'm all I'm in favor of of creators monetizing their videos. I'm in favor of disclosing advertisements. So I don't have any like negative feelings towards the way that YouTubers have to conduct advertisements. I, I do think actually that that I guess by extension, TV and movies should have a little bit more transparency. Uh, now, sometimes you can tell, like I remember this, like season one of Designated Survivor, which was a very good show that was sponsored by Ford, and they're like going out to try to like uncover this terrorist plot, and it's like this very heady scene, and they've just found like a big clue about a bio weapon, and they go back and they get in their Ford Fusion, and there's like a 15 second prolonged sequence of like showing off the interior of the fusion and like the eco dial in the gauge cluster and like the, and then the main character's like oh i'm gonna let me connect my bluetooth to the the center thing with the what was that like that oh, i can't remember they had like a it was like some microsoft powered smart thing that they used to have in fords oh, yeah, and it was yeah. so clunky it just completely pulls you out of it and because they don't have to disclose until the credits it seems a little weird to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's kind of funny because, like, obviously, you know... Ford Sync, that's what it was. Yeah, it was yeah, powered yeah, by yeah. Microsoft. I remember that. It's it's kind of funny because, obviously, you know, disclosure, disclosing that you're, that you're uh, being sponsored is, is a good thing. I feel like it's usually pretty obvious. Like, the example that you just mentioned... You know, if you're seeing stuff, if if you're seeing that in an episode, you 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 could probably guess that they're sponsored. Obviously, you know, obviously the disclosure um, is helpful, and there are some times where, like, I'll see a TV episode, and at the end it'll say like um, promotional considerations by some company. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's sort of 
a little like a lighter version of a of a sponsoring. Maybe you know their their products just yeah. appear in the episode, but not so much of a of a center stage example. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's usually pretty obvious when yeah. something is being sponsored. I don't know. I do think though that it gets a little bit more dubious with like childhood children's content because like. Mm -hmm. When you're an adult, there's a reasonable expectation of like, okay, if this person, if you know, they're they're coming out of a crime scene, they go, oh, my Ford Fusion gets forty miles to the gallon. How cool is that? Anyway, let's go catch this murder guy. Like, yeah. you're like, hmm. I don't think that was just you know an organic line that they just felt really <laughs> fit with the mood of the show. You can kind of pick up on the context clues a little bit, but if. If like Blue's Clues had an episode where the chair was replaced with a new like model from Raymore and Flanagan, oh, then I yeah. think it would be a little bit questionable because the assumption that people are aware that they're being advertised to, I think, is pretty important. Um, and you know, as we said, there are dis there there are disclaimers at the end, the credits, promotional consideration provided by Dell. That's a common one. The office had that a lot, I think, because of mm -hmm. the the monitors, the the ubiquitous Dell office monitors that were in all those episodes. And like so you do have to have disclosures in TV and film. It's just right. that you can put them away at the end when no one's watching. So you can kind of get away with it. It would kind of be like if I did a, a video where all of a sudden I was very mysteriously in favor of a Lenovo laptop. And talking about how much better it was than a MacBook. And then at the very end, at the end card on the bottom right in 12-point font, it said, sponsored by Lenovo. And then the video ended. Like, <laughs> it's a, it's like, okay, you did it, I guess. But like, eh. Yeah, that's true. I guess that, that is a good point that you made about the children's content i feel like yeah for children and teens like if you you know if you're if you're a child you're watching the blues clues and you see that raymore and flanagan chair and you're like mommy mommy i want the raymore and flanagan chair like that's you know that's definitely that's definitely uh that's what all the kids are looking at is the uh is the raymore and flanagan chair but but like, to be mommy, honest, we got to go to raymore and flanagan so we can be like blues clues <laughs> no to uh to to be honest though um it is kind of interesting i know there's all those like toy channels on youtube and I, I I'd be curious to know how much of that is you know spot. And I don't I don't want to start speculating about this stuff, but I would just be curious oh, to know how much of it is uh, is sponsored and how much of it they're clear about versus not so much. Because yes, yeah, that's it's really interesting interesting point. If I were a toy company and I were trying to get a loophole, I think you can kind of get away with like when a company sends you a product for review then you don't have to disclose it because there's not an an obligation there. So like I've had a couple of videos that I've worked on where a company has sent me something like, well, actually the recent video that we did where we set up a home theater, um, mm -hmm. Valencia Seating sent us the chairs, but I turned down doing a sponsored video because I wasn't interested in just making an advertisement. I wanted to just kind of do my own thing. And so that's kind of one way that, you can get around that. I mean, as a company, you you have to then make a good product because, you know, I, I've, I've had a couple of things like a couple of years ago where a company sent me a product. It wasn't good. I made a negative video and they said, hey, can you take this out? And I said, no, I can't. Sorry, too bad. Make a better product because <laughs> that's basically all it is. 
Um, and I actually wanted to address someone. Someone pointed out something interesting. Oh, man, I lost it in the chat. Oh, here it is. This portion is sponsored by X Company. Um, and, and Michael was wondering what that means. Uh, this is one that I've seen on YouTube, and I actually kind of like it. I think it's an interesting idea because um, it's, really, it's really more of a, a technicality. It doesn't really change anything about the video. But my understanding of saying this portion is sponsored by the company would be to say that this advertisement is brought to you by the company. The rest of the video is independent journalism or whatever. It's, it's content that is not branded. And that, I think, is a valid distinction um, in case someone might be confused. Uh, I guess it would make sense more if you, like if you were doing a, an Intel laptop review that was sponsored by Intel. Um, I know Linus Tech Tips has done that a couple of times, and they usually handle it in a similar way, where the advertisement messaging is distinctly different from the product review, so that you can tell when there are editorial opinions versus advertising messages. And I think that's an important distinction to have, especially if the advertising content and the video content are on a similar subject. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's my understanding of those um, distinctions. Yeah, definitely, definitely important. I'm glad. I'm glad that I guess things are moving in the direction of being clear. And I also feel like it's popping up a lot more. Like I go on Twitter sometimes, and when people have like a tweet that goes uh, viral. They'll post oh my like 10 links under like, go buy this, uh, this like ceiling star projector or buy this, um, yeah, that's this, a big like, one. Jelly fish that like is angry and happy <laughs> and you can flip it inside out or something. There's like, it's the same, the same, like five or 10 things. But I feel like now you're yeah. seeing them on like on Instagram, on like Twitter, like someone writes a tweet and then I you, and then you get ads on there. You get on YouTube. I feel like there's even more ads and there's more like channels or like platforms for these ads to be like TikTok. I don't use TikTok, but I'm assuming there's ads and sponsored stuff on there as well. So I don't know. There's just a lot. Yeah, of, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff. So I guess it's good that the that these guidelines exist now because there's you know more stuff going on. The lines are getting blurred uh, more between ads and and not ads and and so guidelines like these are are good to have. Yeah, I, that's funny that you bring up the the Twitter ads because I always roll my eyes at those. There's they're not like they're not good. I'm sorry, but there's some like I don't know. It, it's a t it's a tricky line, and you know people. You know you got to do what you got to do. If you got that if you got that viral tweet that's popping off, and someone says, "Hey, I'll give you five hundred bucks to put a link below it," like of course you're gonna do that. Obviously, I, I don't knock people for doing that. I mainly like whenever I see advertising content through influencers, if it's bad, I tend to blame the companies just as someone who's worked with companies that have at times been a little pushy and have said like, oh, you got to do this and this and this. And it's like, uh, I don't really want to like that was one of the reasons why I've never worked with Raid Shadow Legends the bane <laughs> of YouTube ads. If you're yeah. watching this video and you've watched YouTube between 2019 and now, then you've seen a Raid Shadow Legends ad. They they offered me like stupid amounts of money sometimes. <laughs> but like, and I'll, I'll be honest, guys, I was close. When, when they email you and they say, we want to give you $5,000 for one <sighs> video with no view guarantee or anything. Ooh, 
It's a lot. It is really hard to say no, but then I read the copy and I'm like, I can't even picture myself saying those words. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like it's in it's just incompatible. <laughs> That's an interesting yeah, it's like how how far are you willing to I want to say sell your soul. That's so dramatic. But like, how well, far are you willing to? How far are you willing to go? Five thousand. I mean, that's a mm -hmm. that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of money to lot. just talk about a talk about a mobile game for a minute. But but I I definitely agree. I personally don't do. I, I don't think I've I've never done an ad on my channel. Obviously, it's much much smaller. I do get occasional offers. They're from smaller companies, so you know, not the same level. But I don't know. It's just. I definitely see what you mean. Like Raid Shadow Legends, like I don't think that's like you would ever play that game. I don't think I would ever play that game. So to like advertise it to people and it's something that you aren't even interested in, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. Plenty of people are happy to do it. I'm not gonna put any blame on them by no means, but I don't know if I don't think yeah. I would do it. I understand. I'm trying to find if I can I'm trying to see if I can find I really should have saved it. The the one the the time that they offered five grand they had like a the basically a script there was no real creative free freedom for it mm. oh did i find it Ooh, ooh no no this is not it dang it <laughs> uh it was it was honestly i I'll, I'll go through my email i'll hunt it down and i'll see if i can find it somewhere in here maybe on a future episode of the podcast because oh my goodness gracious it was just unbelievable uh yeah, that would be yeah, i I'm, just couldn't imagine it i don't know i added that to our to our list of topics i think we could we could revisit that in the future that'd be interesting yeah if i can find that i will definitely i will definitely read you guys i don't care if raid shadow legends gets mad at me for reading their like ad copy and making fun of it because quite frankly raid <laughs> shadow legends sucks big butt I would never ever I would never if they email me after this and they're like, Luke, you gotta stop. You gotta stop trashing Raid Shadow Legends. Use ten thousand dollars just to stop trashing us. I would legitimately have to think about that because I hate them so much. <laughs> oh you're you're closing some doors here. I don't know. It's a door that I didn't want opened. I'm okay with that bridge being burned because I, I really I was feeling like an arsonist when I saw that bridge. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Someone brought up here, iFixit ads are the best fit. I definitely got to agree. Noah and I did a couple of like free iFixit ads back in the day yeah. when I had like 15,000 subscribers. We would be like, sponsored by iFixit, not really, but maybe if they actually <laughs> sponsored us. And then now they actually do. And it's nice. And I love, I love iFixit. That's like, they wouldn't even have to pay me. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, don't say yeah, that. That's the no, door, yeah, you, don't, that's I, the door uh, you don't want to close. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we gotta, we gotta keep that door open. That's a good yeah. door. <laughs> we we like I fix it though. Uh, yeah. Like so it. thank you guys for listening. Uh, I just wanted to say, by the way, this uh, episode of the podcast was sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> Plot twist. It was all just a subversive trick. I've been playing mind games with you the whole time. If oh. you think about it, as we've been we've been talking about Raid Shadow Legends, haven't you seriously just been like, oh man. Now I kind of want to play it because I know I have. Download Raid <laughs> Shadow Legends today. All right, guys, give me this. What is it? 12, 20 grand? 20 grand? Wait, what do I have to say? 
Come, <laughs> come play with me on Raid Shadow Legends. I'll raid your Shadow Legends. <laughs> but you got to try to get my Shadow Legend. But I'm not going to let you. Fifty. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, guys, that was um, that was my favorite game, Raid Shadow Legends, which is a fun and cool game that I definitely play a uh-huh. lot. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, now you're just giving them free advertising at this point. I hope not. <laughs> I hope I, I would I would hope that I'm giving them what's the opposite of advertising? Antitizing? <laughs> well, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. It could be. You, you, you could make it. It could be a word. <laughs> well, it looks like we are... <laughs> with. Well, I think I don't really know what else there is to say after that whole little debacle there. Um, this has been the fifth episode of Dark Mode. I can't believe it's been five episodes. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... It feels like... I mean, it's once a week. I guess it's been a little over a month. I don't know how long it feels. I don't know if that feels like a lot of episodes or a few episodes, but I think we're getting the hang of it. I think we're, we're working yeah. out, you know, we're ironing out some of the kinks. We got better capture cards. We got some pretty good setups here. Like it's going, it's going pretty well. <laughs> it took I us four th- weeks to get capture cards that could yeah. accurately display video for a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. But we uh, we finally did. So I don't know. I think uh, I think we're I think it's episode five. It's doing pretty well. I have to say. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I I'm glad we've gotten a lot of feedback. We've gotten a lot of emails. By the way, if you're if you're listening to this and you have any uh, suggestions for things that we should talk about, uh, questions you would like advice on, please please hit us up over at uh, submissions at darkmodepodcast.com. You can also go to darkmodepodcast.com and you can find all the information like where to email us, um, where to listen to the podcast if you don't want to tune in for the live streams, if you have like this weird aversion to live content. I don't know. It could <laughs> exist. Who am I to say? Yeah, you never know these days. But yeah, it's uh, it's drkmodepodcast.com. Um, if you have an idea for a topic, maybe you wrote a, uh, a comment during the live stream and we unfortunately weren't able to discuss it feel free to 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 send it there if you have any topics for us to discuss send us an email we're uh we're always looking for interesting things to discuss on here and we've gotten a lot of really great topics so far yeah i've been super pleased we've gotten a ton of really really interesting things to talk about we still have a few things left on our list we've been trying to get through quite the backlog that has built up but we're definitely we definitely prioritize new, fresh content. So if you've got anything that you want us to talk about, definitely go ahead and check out darkmodepodcast.com. That's drkmodepodcast.com. Yep. Um, I have been your host, Luke Miani, and I've been your host Noah Rubin. Join us Sunday nights at uh, nine p.m. Eastern, eight forty-five p.m. Eastern, if you want to catch uh, the sunset pre-show. And again, drkmodepodcast.com to send us topics and to find us on your favorite podcast uh, app as well. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night.